0: Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And we've got a couple of new releases to talk about this week that we've talked about before back at Sundance, starting with Late Night, which, according to some reports, was bought by Amazon at Sundance for a bajillion dollars. Some say maybe more like 13 million. I don't know. It was a lot of money. And now it's coming out. And the Mindy Kaling comedy is, you know, it's a, it's a fun movie, and it touches on some really timely issues. I think there's a real sense that the movie's not necessarily on the verge of performing as big as it was expected to when these big sales prices started making the rounds a couple months ago. What's going on there?
1: Well, I think what's happening is that there is palpable anxiety in the specialty marketplace theatrical market, marketplace and smart is one example of it and we've got all sorts of schools of thought about how that should have opened in you know platform release in New York and LA build up word of mouth go out yeah. uh, maybe bigger to more like 800 screens which would be my um uh recommendation but it went out to like 2000 screens and and it by the way it didn't do well on the second weekend that's what needed to happen. Now our our box office guy, Tom Bruggerman, went out and argued that it would have made less money uh, for the same cost if it had been platformed and that it's gonna get to twenty five million or something this way. It's and so that's hard to the see. smart call. But yeah. I actually yeah. think they would have done better with a yeah. with a a uh, list. Like
0: you platform. and I could have released this movie in a more exciting way because, I, felt- <laughs> because
1: you build word of mouth in the word right of mouth. theaters is the point. Yeah. If you're in it all the wrong theaters, then those theaters aren't going to do well, and you're going to lose them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is, it's just like the perception around Booksmart that it wasn't doing well is not that's also good true. For it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just it's like it felt like. All these people were trying to fix the broken system or something. You know, but something a second week
1: fall that. off is is definitely a yeah. sign uh, of of a lack of playability in in the wrong theaters. So that's that's one that's one thing that's contributing to the anxiety because you couldn't have had a more well reviewed popular movie going in out of out of South by Southwest and this one Late Night did very well at Sundance one of the most popular films that played there. And Emma Thompson is so good that people are talking about um, an Oscar campaign for her, although if it doesn't do well this summer, that's not going to happen. Forget it. So Amazon is anxious, and Amazon is mounting these uh, preemptive screenings with Q&As, and and they're doing uh, a lot of work to try to build up interest in it ahead of 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 the opening Uh, it's it's really quite clear that that they're they're a little bit nervous about not being able to count
0: their chickens here yeah i mean i I think it's also also they're going
1: back to a platform from a wide release plan that's the other significant thing the
0: thing that's and and this movie to me is it felt? It wasn't an obvious Sundance hot buy movie so much as it felt like a, a studio movie. I mean, it, it wasn't a movie for me per se in the sense. I've, I obviously appreciated the perspective on it, the problems of diversity in writers' rooms and all that kind of stuff. I, I had some issues just with the the filmmaking choices as a, as a whole. I think it's a better written movie that could have been directed a little sharper. And there, there, you know, a lot of critics I talked to were kind of mixed on the movie as a whole, but. You know, much like say the way a Judd Ap- Apatow movie would come along, you know, ten years ago, and and just kind of become this phenomenon, it kind of felt like Late Night had that potential. And it, I don't know. I mean, this feels like a movie that should be playing really widely, and that a lot of people. Mindy Kaling is a household name. The topic is timely for anyone who pays attention to what's going on with both it's Late gotta Night TV, and. Up.
1: Yeah. Or a Time's Up, if you like, a, a Time's yeah. Up aspect to it. But here's the deal. It's a very low budget movie. This is not a studio movie. This is an indie movie. What it is, is a mainstream indie movie. And so in a weird way, that's a, that's a kind of a, a, a dangerous place. Because it's not highbrow. Critics love it. It's an Oscar contender for sure. It's much more uh, a populist kind of movie with laughs and it's a comedy. It's more like uh, it's it's a lot more like the Kumail Nanjiani movie from from last year, The Big Sick. But it doesn't it isn't as well written and directed as that. Uh, That's unfortunately true.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just not quite as polished in that sense. And it's, it, it is a passion project for Mindy Kaling. And I feel like her story is one that needed to be told in perhaps an even bigger way. You and know. brings
1: a lot of authenticity to it. And she's very charming in it. She's really very good. It's funny. There's a scene around the table with all the guys and she ends up sitting on a garbage can that is hilarious. Um, there are all sorts of great moments in it. And as I said, Emma Thompson is terrific we may be worrying about nothing. Let's hope that it's... <laughs> for, I'm not no God. I hope it does business. I,
0: I mean, you know, I want to see movies and that Amazon are, knows what it's doing, too. They do. Push, yeah, I mean, the and the, the idea that the movies is, is pushing something, sort of a progressive view of modern entertainment is important. It, I don't think it's the end of the world if this movie doesn't do as well. I, I, the book smart thing is, to me, more upsetting, just because I think it's a, it's a really good movie and a very, you know, sort of exciting piece of filmmaking and that's the kind of thing we really want to be pushing for but i also feel like what if late night doesn't do well or if it does do well it's also sort of this litmus test for how that's these right. deep-pocketed players you know look they, they go into a festival they make everything really expensive because people know they can outspend everybody and then they go and they spend it on something and the question is well is that really valuable does that serve well amazon interest?
1: product and they had a management change and Jennifer Salky stepped up. I mean, another test coming up is uh, the trailer just broke for Brittany runs a marathon. I mean, at least late night compared to book smart and Brittany has recognizable stars who are really popular in it. That is not true um, of, of Brittany. And I'm curious to see how they, how they handle that. That one's even more mainstream. That, that's a real, uh, uh, broad. It's almost like you need to be, you know, inside this very narrow Oscar identified corridor, or you need to be this huge movie with all the bells and whistles to pull people into theaters. It's almost like these middle movies don't have enough juice to draw uh yeah, I mean,
0: no. I mean, I also feel like if it's going to be a big Sundance phenomenon that gets parlayed into a hit, like you said, it should be the big sick, or it should be something, you know, totally next level like Beast of the Southern Wild, which becomes this talking Oh well, that's thing. a blue
1: moon thing. Um, but I,
0: that's exactly but I, I mean that's how challenging it is. So something like late night, which is fine, I guess, is even even though that there are commercial aspects about it on the surface, is not doesn't quite have enough to pull people in. No, no, we'll you see. Never...
1: I hope we're wrong. I hope. I yeah, hope I it mean, does. we'll
0: see. We will see. Exactly. I don't we want you see. to be predicting be that. Please. Yes. Yeah. You know. You, I mean, we could be totally wrong. But it's. But it. But it well, is. Well, we're a not fascinating... wrong that the
1: anxiety is out there. Right. Exactly. There's no
0: question. That it it's feels there. like something's off. But because but we'll the box, be.
1: if I have to. You know, I work with Tom every week on editing the the indie box office story, and it's just g- grim. You know, and so many more movies are going online. So many more movies are taking the multi-platform approach um, because it makes more sense economically. And, yeah. and and the theaters are just really sitting there uh, biting their fingernails.
0: I mean, I, I almost wonder, you know, sometimes that's this is a good thing for certain kinds of movies and, and the, the theater's. You know they they need their products, and it's just a question of which movies are being. Well,
1: the documentaries are done. doing better. As yeah, we've exactly. Documentaries,
0: big little bed. farm
1: is a big a hit. Amazing Grace thing. did really well. Yeah.
0: So the another movie that was at Sundance uh, also play, was uh, actually playing competition that came into the festival with uh, distribution and uh, is is coming out this week is Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is a twenty four. Now here's a movie that could actually, I think, do pretty well, at least on the surface. It seems like it's got that kind of word of mouth thing. Critics really love it. It has no stars. Um, First time director. It's kind of idiosyncratic, a a whimsical portrait of gentrification in San Francisco. It's a lovely
1: movie. I loved this movie. And um, it reminds me a little bit of... Uh, another bay area movie that came out um with uh david diggs collaborating with his friend it, it it has that same autobiographical authentic uh feel uh to it what movie is what name is the movie i'm, I'm trying to think of well, do you remember
0: you're talking about blind spotting that's I right was, um... That's I was thinking one. about uh, Barry Jenkins' debut, "Medicine for Melancholy," a lot as being a real template for this movie on some level because of the way that um, it it delves so deeply into gentrification as this all-encompassing concept that the city is this ever-changing character where you're like simultaneously looking at the, the the like changes and the and the history at the same time and you can't really reconcile the two and that's kind of what this movie wrestles with. I did feel like. Joe Talbot it's an interesting first time filmmaker. It it goes really hard into this kind of like cinematic euphoria. Like there's a lot of big montages with swoon, swooning music, and some parts are a little overwritten and stuff. But I really enjoy the visuals
1: and the, and the idiosyncratic quality. It has a personality, it has, yes, it has a, personality. a real imprint, and, and, a, a and first, the, first the love piece. for the city is palpable so he is starring his co-writer and producer in the movie it's and it's an interesting uh, collaboration it, it, Ja it, Jimmy fails is really remarkable in the lead he's he's a very powerful charismatic figure and it's partially uh, a true story it's fascinating this movie you've never seen anything like it and that is its asset. Um, in, a, in a way, a little bit like Boots Riley's, Sorry to Bother You. It has that quality of something you've never seen before. And it's a product, yet again, to uh, speak of Barry Jenkins, who, who made Moonlight um, with uh, his collaborators at Plan B. And they right. were behind this one, too. They nurtured it these yeah. filmmakers. They, it took them a long time. Um, and, and they really helped uh, to bring this to light.
0: Yeah, and that's what's sort of fascinating when you think about it too, because like Moonlight, it doesn't have an obvious entry point, you know, from you know a commercial standpoint. And then when you look at it, you're like, well, this movie really plays in the room. It's entertaining, provocative, and all that kind of stuff, and moving. And, yeah, and and, and, just and back I,
1: there with the father that I found very moving.
0: And I think one of the things that will be fascinating for people to talk through with this film is that the director is a white guy. And it's about a very particular kind of uh, black experience in San Francisco. It's not exclusive to the black experience in every moment, but there is a lot of it that has to deal with, you know, traditionally black neighborhood uh, being sort of overrun by You know, there's, there's interesting moments with, with tourists and real estate agents and all this kind of stuff, just depicting that ecosystem and, and sort of trying to create more of and the owners of the house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very um, great example of how a a true story told well and with personality can, can break through. Now the question that we still have is whether that will happen.
0: Right. That's the but the thing is it's like it was a preordained kind of Sundance breakout story. You could tell. I mean, the more and more you look at things in advance at Sundance, you can kinda tell what's gonna be a phenomenon there. And this one seemed like with all this was a real word of mouth hit. But
1: but the other but the other question, remember at Sundance, HBO ended up picking up native sun. And, uh, and instead sure. of giving that a theatrical yeah, release both, for yeah. through a 24 and uh, they partnered on it. So uh, they backed off of a theatrical opening for that film. Well, but this son film and Cher, yeah. is going to have a theatrical release. Well, I mean,
0: the native son and share the two movies they, they, they tossed off to HBO were very dark, disturbing movies that going back to a point you were making earlier, just would have been really freaking hard to get people to go see in theaters. Also reviews were, good not great whereas this movie has more positivity to it it's got it's a, an art film it yeah, belongs
1: it, in an art film context
0: it's got the studied kind of quality of a, a bright colorful cinematic experience like a wes andersony type and of a, a great vibe. trailer think, by
1: the way i want to give them points for one of the best trailers of the year
0: so a twenty four obviously people love to salivate over this library and whatever kind of black magic they have when it comes to marketing and all this kind of stuff at an interesting moment, I would say, in terms of you know where they're where they're heading and and what they 've got in the pipeline it's worth looking at I they mean they have
1: great taste I mean the lighthouse was an enormous hit at scan uh, a real launch for that movie. Uh, that I think will do very, very well going forward. And the farewell was their Sundance breakout, which they picked up out of there. And then yeah, they've we'll got the midsummer coming yeah. up.
0: Exactly. So, all this stuff is like, these are like real open questions. Like, last Blackman, how's it going to do commercially midsummer? Seems like it should do well. It's a question of how, you know, how people are going to react to it. The trailer, you know, it's like it all takes place during the day, which is a fascinating kind of creative challenge. But does that translate into people want to see a movie that looks that way? I mean, there's some open questions there. Jordan Peele just interviewed. Ari Aster, the director for Fangoria, which was a very smart move. And then with Farewell, you know, another movie that has all this Sundance buzz, it's a real question of, is it going to translate into this big phenomenon, you know, this critically acclaimed movie about a very particular kind of Asian American experience? You know, that's launching. Well, in you New know, York. the
1: critics will be all over that one. And that one has the blessing of being... A, you've never seen it before, which is part of what A24 has an instinct for. B, it's a new voice. C, it's a comedy. And it's a family comedy that somehow feels universal um, and you for any, one anyone one. who's ever been uh, part of an immigrant experience. So Yeah, well, also,
0: Alquafina uh, is... Yep. A star, and this is a dramatic turn for her of sorts, even though it is kind of a comedy. It is essentially a dramatic turn relative to what she's done in the past. So, but it's, it's interesting because it's a PG movie that should be accessible to a lot of people. Question is just how big will that movie be? I mean, what will be the big A24 movie this year? Is it the, it's the weird Hardline movie? movie or, well,
1: Midsummer is the one that could be most commercial.
0: If, if judging if it, from hereditary yeah yeah, but I mean look how you got to watch that trailer I mean I, I try to avoid that stuff sometimes I happened to go see John Wick and it was before the trailer what you
1: avoid that. trailers
0: well I try to when really? I... really yeah it's it's something I, I mean you know we wear a lot of hats and I uh, I avoid know, scripts. Have no choice. I don't
1: like to read scripts. It's, That's I, don't, that I do not. That's a
0: big no-no. If if you are ever in a situation where you need to be like reviewing a movie or something like that, the thing about trailers is that one, they they are they have a different function than the movie themselves. They're designed to get you to, to want to see it. But also they're they're using the images from the movie in a way that means that they're they're not going to necessarily be new to you when you see the end result. And they're
1: not going to they're not necessarily going to give it not. They are going to give everything away. (laughs) They don't care. So many, uh, many, a movie has been ruined uh, by by the trailer. I don't I don't blame. I didn't know you had that policy. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: it's malleable, but, um, you know, I'll stumble into stuff. And what did you
1: learn from the trailer that that you didn't want to know?
0: Well, what I didn't want to see was, was the full scope of the setup for this movie, at least as far as I can tell. I mean, the the way in which it explains how some people wind up in this creepy, culty, kind of wicker man-esque context. And then seeing how more and more depraved it gets. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how the think you know, the conversations evolved in terms of the way in which uh, the decisions were made to present this much of the movie or even if that is an accurate representation of the movie but I, you know I, I like to be surprised and caught off guard by things in a, in a way that means that not only where the plot goes matters but you know what kind of images are being put on the screen and so I just didn't want those in my brain yet basically and that's that's sort of the fundamental challenge of trailers is that it's almost like you're you're exposing yourself to a a version of the movie that's that's not what the movie is, and so that just they
1: sometimes gray. mislead you. And I end up, I, I I often end up going to see movies and recognizing that I'm disappointed because I thought I was going to see something else, and that's really unfortunate when that happens. Well,
0: um, there's and, uh,
1: another company that's coming along that's doing um, as well, or or, or and even more promisingly in some ways uh, as a twenty four, and that's Neon. Which Which is music uh, to their ears, I'm sure. No, they're in a. I I, I had an email exchange with Tom Quinn, and I sort of said, You must be in a good mood after Can. You know, first of all, Parasite wins uh, the Palm Door, and then Bong Jong Ho's new movie, obviously, and then it goes to to uh south korea and has its home country debut of 25 million dollars 70 percent of the total total national business it breaks out over aladdin in, on its second weekend and over godzilla's opening in korea yeah, I mean, this
0: kind of stuff is always amazing because it reminds you that you know as much as we've read about the u.s box office it's like one tiny piece of a much larger equation in terms of how people are watching movies in theaters around the world, and
1: Neon doesn't necessarily have a piece of that. Actually, no, either, but, it, by it's the way. but it's a very it. good sign. It's a winner, if you like.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, that movie had—he's the most prominent Korean filmmaker, and he just won the Palme d'Or, and it's maybe his best movie. It's certainly one of his most overall satisfying movies it doesn't take as many wild swings it's very consistent all the way Do you through think it'll
1: be his most accessible movie in this marketplace
0: today? Mm, I mean, I think so because, you know, as much as Okja you could say was, you know, a, a family. That was weird. Right? Okay. It, it, I loved it but it was
1: stuff. definitely not a, a it was a, well, it wasn't and, Korean and it wasn't something
0: else. And, and, and the host was, was a really cool monster movie with an allegory but also very weird. I mean, are they're they're, he's, a, he's a very movies are weird storyteller. Yeah, it's true. But I think this one. And I didn't of, like the,
1: the English language
0: uh, one, the Fox Searchlight one. Oh well, that that's Park Chan Wook. See uh,
1: there, I am. Yeah. Cut that out, Eric. Cut that out. I swear to God, please. It's all right. You
0: were, you had the right idea. with it. There's certain upper echelons of of Korean auteurs, but um, but I do think that this movie with Parasite, it's like it's it's rooted in a father son dynamic that is kind of present in some of his other movies, but in this case, it, it it allows you to have more of a relatable quality, and yet it's still kind of twisted and surprising. It's like it's got a con story at the center of it kind of like shoplifters last year but it's more entertaining than shoplifters so it could be a commercial movie it could if it's a korean oscar submission well no korean films ever that so that'll that'll be a big deal that's i mean you know people talked about that with burning last year but it's still
1: likely to be an art film in this in the you know shoplifters did very well but it was still within the art art film realm
0: yeah, well, I mean, it, it, we'll we'll see. It was, uh, critics really, really love this movie, and there's so much enthusiasm for Bong. That's a good starting point. As is the 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 way you could cut a trailer around this movie. I think is really fascinating to think about. You know, I I would not have wanted to see the trailer, but at Cannes, Bong Joon Ho requested that journalists not spoil anything that wasn't in his Korean trailer for the film. So I think if you look that one up, you might be safe because it only That's shows you up to a certain point. Um, and th- it's not like there's like some M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist in this film, but it does continue to complicate the relationship between two families from different classes and how they sort of you know come to blows, in, both literally and metaphorically, over the course of the story. And it's very funny and, and, and tragic and, at different moments. So I don't know. I mean, if, if people are excited by those factors, then maybe it does get out of the the kind of quote unquote foreign language ghetto and, and is seen in, in a bigger sort of way. Yep, I'm curious
1: way. to see. No, there'll be but, some interest. but So Neon has a number of, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, they're responsible for Biggest Little Farm, which is doing very well, as well as uh, Apollo 11, as well as Amazing Grace. These are all breakouts, documentary uh, breakouts. And uh, they also picked up Portrait of uh, a Lady on Fire, the this the chiama film out of can which will be Yahoo. a very i hope it's the french submission we'll see what happens
0: yeah it's an open question so the, you know they're in a good place I and mean, there's a company that people forget that a24 when it started had about a year or so of incubation where its movies weren't necessarily commercially successful but it was acquiring films that
1: well know, i tanya like, did well
0: a, yeah well exactly so neon had i tanya out of the gate and then uh, the year after that, last year, the films uh, outside of the radio right and Strangers didn't do quite as well, but the company's been sort of churning along. So this it makes sense, you know, they, they may have a good year and then a bad year and then another good year, but they're starting to develop a, a, a cleaner strategy, it seems like, and, and a really strong sensibility. And it's good that A24 has some competition for movies that gel with an edgier sensibility and have market potential you know it shows you that there's the, the it's it's never going to be just one player to rule, rule them all in any They're particular.
1: also going to be in the Oscar race with Clemency which uh yes.
0: Aubrey Woodard is extraordinary oh, that, and Oh that and is she, a tough could sell. be a best
1: actress. But contender. she is so
0: good. Yeah, I mean I mean I don't know how you how you get people to go watch a movie in which people are executed in in you know harrowing detail but It's a good movie. They should. Um, yeah, we'll we'll certainly be talking about it. It a opened
1: lot. Uh, new directors, and I was pretty impressed,
0: yeah, I know, and that was a right choice to put it there as well. so the and I they know. have Luce
1: coming up also, which is which is a good movie that came out of Sundance.
0: yeah, very stuff so. with a,
1: yet another good role uh for for the star of Ma <laughs> uh,
0: Olivia
1: yeah. Olivia, she's amazing
0: uh yeah i haven't seen ma i just i'm I'm dreading it so we'll see <laughs> maybe i was gonna uh, ask
1: we'll... you to talk about x-men but you didn't go to that either i didn't
0: bother with that Skipping one either
1: out. I, out. You Good know taste in this case
0: i will catch up with you don't X-Men, have
1: to believe me perhaps
0: at some point for cultural reasons the same reason that i went to go see aladdin i want to know what what people are seeing and how things are processing i've always found that franchise to be you know, worth looking at for a variety of reasons. Well, they have but-
1: amazing 100. actors in it. And I think I think there was this one moment, I was watching the movie sort of unfold in this sort of inexorable, formulaic way. And I was sort of clinically watching these great actors like Michael Fassbender, uh, you know, try to, to get past this sort of banal uh, dialogue. And there was this one moment where he had to say, he was talking to... Um, Nicholas Holt, who's another great actor, you know, and, and, and he's he's saying, well, you, you know, you're sitting there in the audience and you know that the line he's about to say is, well, I know we've had our differences, <laughs> which is one of those cliched lines that nobody should have to say in a movie. And he has to say it and he puts a little twist on it and he you knows that he knows that it's a, a bad line and he's trying to make it work. That's what the whole movie was like in a
0: nutshell. Mm hmm. Yeah, I. I uh, they all
1: wished they could get Jennifer, you know, get 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 a release from from bondage, like like Jennifer Lawrence, who gets killed
0: off. Spoiler alert. I liked the first two movies in this franchise. Unfortunately, they were directed by Brian Singer, and he sucks. But X and X Men and X Two, I thought were were really incredible encapsulations of what made the idea of. About superhero team in in the movies, compelling in the first place. How you can leverage certain different CGI challenges uh, into interesting stories about people who are different from societal norms. You know, like the metaphorical possibilities were there in a way that was also entertaining, and that was a very smart gamble. Somehow, this token war- was good.
1: Really, yeah,
0: and I don't know. That's a separate category. The Wolverine movies are all very interesting in their own right, more because of that of, of what. Well, that's that an X Men spinoff. In. It's a yeah, lot. But, but I think. But what I'm saying is, I think the that the group X Men movies, the problem is they they seem to have gotten more and more self serious and and mythology based. And yeah, less, I wish
1: they had more humor. Yeah. Actually, there w- there was one of them which was period at one point that that had a lot of humor. I think. I think it was the Matthew Vaughn one, and I I thought that was more fun than the others.
0: Perhaps. So where does all this leave Rocketman, which is making also a bajillion dollars, but maybe not quite as many bajillions of dollars as Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah,
1: I find the... Um... Again, uh, Tom Brueggemann has gone and done some really good analysis of of what the comparisons between the two should really be, which is that they're really not the same thing, <laughs> and there are all sorts of reasons why Bohemian Rhapsody was a much much bigger movie and with wider appeal and uh, played uh, around the world in a different kind of way than than Rocketman is going to do. But the um, the headline temptation. To uh, say that Rocket <clears throat> that Rocket Man didn't do well in comparison to Bohemian Rhapsody is is really unfortunate and not fair. It did really well. It's a hit. It's a big movie. It cost a, a fraction of what Bohemian Rhapsody cost. It was a forty million dollar movie, not uh, more than a hundred. And and it's it's really a, a, um, a musical. Uh, with a different kind of, you know, gay appeal,
0: really. Um, yeah, it, it does. It works for the for the gay community in a better way. And I'm totally, I'll, I'll concede that in spite of my, my own misgivings about the movie that it seems to have resonated in that way. And, and the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody didn't, didn't hurt it commercially, but certainly culturally and historically, this movie is not going to be remembered. And this is an
1: point. R movie, and that was a PG-13 movie. And that was a, a, a somewhat... All the things I didn't like about Bohemian Rhapsody are part of what made it such an enormous hit. And I you would like Wayne Dexter Fletcher a lot of credit, and the writer, Lee Hall, by the way, who wrote Billy Elliot. A lot of credit for making hey, this work hey, as a musical. It's a wonderful like, movie.
0: You like Queen, right? You're a Queen fan. I love Queen. Who
1: Best doesn't part of love the re- Queen? No, but
0: I'm saying one of the reasons why Bohemian Rhapsody made all this money is because Queen... Queen- yeah, it's but like, it, it also you... had
1: a cardboard villain. It had a, it had an arc that was very, very straight on. You know, it was there was nothing edgy. It really wasn't edgy or or new or or. No,
0: I mean I forgot it. Brilliantly forgot directed it. or
1: anything. And Dexter Fletcher, who went in and finished it, would have made a different movie if he'd had full control. He wanted to make it earlier. They took him off. They put Brian Singer on. Then they brought him back in to save the day, and he did it because he thought he might learn something. And he, uh, because he was about to make Rocket Man.
0: Well, Rocketman to me is kind of a corny movie and it feels very authorized. And perhaps because I don't have... It a, is authorized. There's no yeah, other way to look at it. It is. It's, it, but, it's but, from I mean, Elton
1: John's point The marketing of
0: view. narrative is, has tried to make it sound like it's, you know, quote unquote, warts and all and all that stuff. But it's his version of that warts and all thing. Of course it is. And, you know, it's not my jam in that sense. But there is, it is fun to look at and I mean there's there's more to take in and certainly you know, that music works and the music there, there just wasn't, you don't get a lot of queen, enough queen to some degree in Bohemian Rhapsody you get tidbits here and there until the very end. This movie is like filled to the gills, like left and right with Elton John music. You could watch it with your eyes closed and still have a decent time.
1: What's really cool about it is that, A, you learn more about the actual dynamic between... Bernie Taupin and Elton John. And there is this wonderful moment where uh, they sing for the, you know, um, your song and in that's, Cannes, that's there was applause in the theater. The only good moment. It's also, it also happened at the Academy this past weekend. The Academy this past weekend was packed to the gills, and it played like gangbusters. And yes, Taryn Egerton was there, and yes, they gave him a standing ovation, which happens when the star is there sometimes. But it was a. It pl- I had some friends in the in the audiences, and they reported that it played incredibly well. So I think we could see some um, Oscar action on uh, on Rocket Man. That's the that's the target demo. It's an older demo. My daughter isn't the slightest bit interested well, in this. Nora
0: movie. and I, I think would see. I um, <laughs> You and I will probably be arguing about it for the next six to eight months. So that'll be interesting. But, you know, always fun to have something to shake up the conversation. So next week, I guess we'll see how Late Night does. And we've got other things to dig into as we get deeper into the summer. More bigger movies coming out like Toy Story 4 and Men in Black International. We've got... Uh, uh, Oscar categories that are starting to, to develop, like the documentary ones. Yes, so we're, we're going to
1: talk about that because we're catching, we're both catching up with a lot of the docs that are coming down, uh, the Pike, um, and I'll, I'll get, I'll give you a full, a full report.
0: All right, I'll catch you later, in.
1: Bye, bye, Eric.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty.